Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show. I'm your host, Dave Homewood. In a few moments, we'll be hearing from Rod Delberg, who was a pilot in the Royal New Zealand Air Force in the 1940s through to the 60s, and he flew mosquitoes and vampires. But right now, we're going to hear from Al Marshall. Hi, Al. It's uh, good to have you back on the show. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Yeah, good to be back. You're involved in a really interesting project at the moment, and the reason we've got you on uh, just at the beginning of this mosquito-themed show is to talk about the Mosquito Project. Um, the mosquito is moving across from uh, Mapua to Omaka, uh, and this is the mosquito that was saved by John Smith. So um, people can follow along uh, now. You, you guys are down there have set up a Facebook page, which is the Omaka John Smith Mosquito Project page. Um, so there's lots of updates are going to be going up on there. Uh, so we do want to make video updates, perhaps perhaps weekly. I know the AHC has a, a question and answer page. They're, they're encouraging people to put questions to the group and we'll sit down one day and, and answer them. And yep. um, and I've also got a little page on that of just interesting stuff that, that we see as, as the airplane comes apart. You think, that's pretty cool. And, and it's stuff like that you take a photo of and, and remember it. Yep. And post it to this page because there is there is stuff. There's you know we're finding handwriting from uh, people that built the aircraft. Uh, you can see identities of the aircraft as engine cowlings have gone between one and the other, and you can see you know the the identities of different aircraft that parts have belonged to. And okay, uh, pencil markings from when they're putting camouflage and um, placards on the aircraft. You can see as we're bringing the old the old finished back. You can you can see these pencil markings and. And that's, that's pretty cool because we use those same pencil markings to put the new stuff back on. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah and um, we'll have the link to that uh, Facebook page in our show notes um, so people can go there and join. Um, <clears throat> that's a, it's a group. Um, now, the other thing we need to mention too is uh, Omaka Warbird Rescue Give a Little page. Now, you're raising money to make all this actually uh, viable. Um, so uh, tell us... Uh, if people give a donation, what, what actually happens with it? Yeah, well, there's there's a certain cost. I, I, I look at the um, the aspects, tools and, and lifting gear that that have turned up in Mapua, and it's it's just the small parts like, gee, I won't say they're small. They're um, obviously big pieces of steel. Just the logistics of getting them from Ardmore to Mapua yeah. in itself uh, can't be done uh, easily or cheaply. So it's it's stuff like that that you don't really see you know, there will be a certain amount of that um, give a little page will be used for uh, materials you know to to do the job but it's it's uh, involving people and companies that are certainly giving their time uh, that um, for example those you know the big lifting beams and and transport gear for the aircraft and the wing yeah it's it's, it's stuff like that that the, the give a little page uh, will be used for yep absolutely now um uh, anyone who uh, wants to go to that page, there'll be a, a link in the show notes as well. And, um, you know, we'll make sure that hopefully our listeners out there will, will you know, th throw you a few dollars and, yeah, and uh, it'll, keep it'll, this project going. Yeah, it won't take much either. I think once that give a little page gets some momentum, yeah, it won't take much. But just, you know, it's um, it's like Captain Tom. You know, a lot of people mm. get excited by something and something very big happens from it. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's yeah. no, it's um, it's it's coming along good, and, and and but some of the big costs have been addressed through that page. So, so whatever else comes from that will be 
will be uh, yeah quite valuable. No, that's um, that's fantastic, and and you're right. It, um, this is a, a bit like Captain Tom in that it's gripped the imagination of people around the world, and uh, it's one of the one of the most amazing things that's happening um, on the on the whole sort of you know warbird preservation scene at the moment. So um, you know we we, we will. Uh, We'll try and you know get people to go to that page and and go to the Facebook page and um, get involved and you know throw you a few dollars as well. Yeah, if, every, yeah. if everybody did that, if everybody on your page, because already there's like you know almost fifteen hundred members of that page, if they all gave ten bucks, you know, mm. that'd be, yeah, it should be yeah, it should be paid for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This week. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, just yeah, that that's the big thing with that Facebook group that has been has been um, established yeah it's just to share it you know this is a plane mm. that has been buried amongst other things in, in a shed for 62 years and um yeah it's quite exciting for us to you know, you know for, to be involved for a start but then to be able to share this this machine as she comes apart and gets inspected and like i say all the little interesting things that you see that haven't been seen on that aircraft in daylight probably for an awful long time yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so um, as you've been getting down to the nitty gritty with uh, uh, pulling things apart and and cleaning it and all that, what sort of condition have you found most of the stuff in? Most yeah, I'm part? just um, I'm just in some cases staggered just how how cooperative the aircraft is. You know, there's my experience with the Bristol Freighter, an airplane that's been uh, in storage for only you know 30 years perhaps. Yeah. Um, you know, panel fasteners and um, fluid couplings and stuff like that that uh, panel fasteners that you almost had to destroy to get them out and then replace afterwards on this airplane um, the whole day that the first day that we were there I only ever saw one screw head having to be uh, cut off because it had, it had become reluctant and um, and that's what we're finding with the, the whole aircraft it just wants to it just wants to cooperate um, the engines came off with no effort you know we had a very nice like i say radio controlled higher yep. that could be driven like a almost surgically but um with with the gear that we had the bolts came out the pins came yeah it just it, everything um was just yeah as if, as if the airplane has been flying last tuesday yep. and we're just working on it like that so um the storage and there's there's quite a big story about the appearance of the aircraft at the moment that no one's really seen because it's been very difficult to open that shed up yep. um, until recently. And even with the doors open, the amount of stuff that was stored in there, it was very difficult to see the appearance of the aircraft. Now, now that we're seeing it uh, in daylight and with the the preservative that, that John Smith applied to it, that we believe was, was a, a rather stodgy house paint and perhaps mixed with some pesticide, has, has the, the aircraft is in, in really good shape. Uh, it look, looks look pretty uh, interesting when you see it. Like I say, in daylight, it it's uh, it's bright white, and it's um, yeah, yeah. We're we're taking a lot of photos of that as as the aircraft comes out into the daylight. We want to capture that for everyone so that they can see just exactly what this thing looks like. And um, right. and and because it's been stored like that, um, that's that's why it's in such good good shape. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you mentioned about the the white house paint, and and in that first video on your uh, page um on the on the facebook page you actually rub your hand over some of that and it comes off like like powder um is that the case for 
all of the surface, or or is it just that piece? Uh, yeah, most most of the aircraft. Yeah, I'm trying to what, think what that piece was. I think it was a lower cowling. Yeah, and um, being being um, aluminium and, and stuff like that, it would probably behave differently to the the fabric. You know, the the fabric has, I won't say absorbed it, in in some places, but yeah, the the fabric. I don't think I don't think the aircraft would have been preserved quite the way it has if it hadn't have been had that treatment because it certainly hasn't. Um, well, there's a, there's the occasional little bit of rot that you might find in the cotton fabric, yeah. Which you know if you if your bed sheets were in a shed for 62 years, you probably wouldn't sleep in them. No, that's right. And if you had a 62 year old dinghy, you probably wouldn't take it for a, you probably wouldn't take it out on a lake. Um, yeah. So the the white powder on those on those things, yeah, is um, it, it comes off easy enough because it's been applied over other surfaces. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it does give the air. Oh, I'm looking forward to a, a modeler modeling the aircraft as it is now because I think that would be quite a good um, quite a good um, challenge for someone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you and um, you and Marty have actually uh, cleaned up the the tail, uh, uh, the rudder and the fin and the tailplane, and it's been painted now, and it looks superb. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was it was pretty cool that night that we we painted everything in components, and then the night that the three of us sort of attached it and, and mocked it up as as a as a tail unit, it was it was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Um, There'll be debate as to who thinks it should be um, displayed in, in certain um, markings or what, but um, yeah, I think the story that's going to be told by the, the 487 Squadron uh, operators of the Mosquito is, is uh, yeah, it's, it's going to it's going to be a good story, and and it's it's nice that you know if, when you when you rub that surface, the the, the 75 Squadron dope is very very thin compared to the thick. Um, RAF scheme that, that's under it, right. yeah. Right. And and as the aircraft comes together, I think it's yeah, it's going to look pretty cool the day that she gets wheeled outside on, onto the grass. Oh yeah, absolutely. So at the moment, people um, can't actually come and see it. They can't come and visit it, can they? It's, it's not in public display at the um, uh, Addo Marker. Um, so it, it'll be uh, in a hangar getting restored, and then there will be a day when it goes on public display. Yeah, yeah, it's in a private hangar. Well, presently, obviously, it's still in Mapua, but um, in, in a few weeks' time, when the aircraft is here, and uh, it will be being done up in a in a private hangar. Yeah. And we were just talking today about perhaps what what access, uh, you know, if we can organise maybe a, a hangar visit one one afternoon every few weeks, so that people can sort of see it yeah. as um, as it as it comes together, because it is interesting seeing it in pieces like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but of course that that's the other side. We can we can share it with the um with the Facebook page too. Yep. Yes. But cool. I, I'm sort of hopeful that by by Christmas it'll be back on our wheels again and and um yeah hard hard to say we we don't know exactly what um, challenges we'll have once the aircraft turns up. But from the cooperation that we've seen so far, I think she's looking forward to it as much as everyone. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and and the big the big thing too was you know it's it's going to look like it's um, been in service um, on the exterior, but there's absolutely nothing we're doing to the interior yeah. that will make it um, any sort of restoration. You know the 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 Bombay, for example, all we're doing there is really removing the the free dirt and the dust and and the evidence of the the rodents that might have been in there at times, and and there's, there's quite a bit of that in places. 
Yeah. You know, but but other than just getting rid of storage, dirt and, and what have you, it's um, she on the interior. Yeah, she's absolutely as as per the day that the Air Force put it up for tender. That's brilliant. That mm. really is awesome. That's well. Thank you very much, Al. I really appreciate your time, and uh, should let you get back to it. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Like I say, we'll we'll um, we'll share this thing as much as we can with people, and um, and uh, yeah, like I said, that 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 give a little page is uh, is there for basically just to speed things up and make things happen. Yep. And um, yeah, yeah. See what we can come up, up with. Cool. Good luck. And now we'll get on with the uh, rest of the interview. Nice one. Sorry. Okay. Talk to you soon, Dave. Okay. Cheers. Cool. Commanding officer of the yep. station. He dumped one in the paddock out there one day with. They had run out of fuel or something or other. Barely landed it. And they made a muddy. Um, what do you call those aircraft used for practicing and engineering? Um, oh, the uh, instructional airframe. An instructional airframe out of the front half of his one and the back half of the one I did. Oh. <laughs> that was Frank Dix, was it? Frank Dix, oh, yeah. yes. Yep. All right. Um, well, I've got this rolling, so um, I'll just get you to uh, start off with um, your full name. Rodney Owen Dalberg. Yep. And your date of birth? 1929. And where were you born? Cambridge. I thought so. Uh, and your service number? Uh, two, actually. Oh, okay. Four eight four seven six. Then they chained them afterwards because the Russians might find out how many were in our air force. <laughs> to seven two five zero three. All right, okay. Everyone got renumbered in seventies after. Yep. A couple of years. Uh, and what rank did you get to? I was played on a sergeant rank. Oh yeah, that's good. Sergeant pilot. Yep. And the last three sergeant pilots in the history are all still alive. We're yeah. all that, but we've all lost our wives. who are all wives. Oh. My best mate in Auckland, Tommy Thompson, and uh, another mate, Jimmy Shaw at Taupo. Right. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So you were born in Cambridge, and you grew up there? Yeah. Oh, out in the country a bit. Oh, yeah. What part? Right there, Rangi. Oh, yes, yeah. So what was your first memory of aviation? Do you remember? I grew up during the war. And I was mad on fighter planes. And I had a scrapbook of every photograph that came out in the weekly news in those days. Oh, right. Of every fighter plane that came out and I had a whole scrapbook full of them. And I would end up wanting to be a fighter pilot. And I got there. Yeah. <laughs> One of the few people that made it. That's pretty good. Made, it was funny, off our course, everyone applied for different things. I, I was about the only one that got what I wanted. Of our, of our pilots course. Okay. So, uh, were you in Cambridge all the way up until you joined the Air Force? Yeah. So you would have gone to Cambridge High? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, there's only two rooms when I first went there. Wow. 
Oh, it's different now. <laughs> Uh, which uh, primary school did you go to? Was it Cambridge Primary? Right, Rangi oh, Primary, right. and then uh, in Standard 5 and 6, Cambridge Primary. Yep. Okay, that makes sense. This was Form 1 and 2 these days, isn't it? Yes, yeah. 65 in the class, during the war, of course. 65 in both those classes. Wow. And there are only about 20 being in classes these <laughs> days. <laughs> Is that because of the shortage of teachers because yeah, they joined up? Yeah. Oh, wow. So how, how was that for learning? Did you still well, learn we, okay? Well, I don't know. We all got through somehow or other, yeah. or most of us. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Um, yeah, so uh, do you remember when you first saw an aircraft in, in real life? Did, did, did anything come to Cambridge that you saw? Or? I think my father took me up to Rooker High when I was pretty small. And Kingsford Smith came out and there's um, that triplane thing, how is it? Yeah, the Southern Cross? Southern Cross, yeah. Right, okay. I think that was the first time. Wow. So 1930s then? Must have been the yeah, 30s, yeah. Been, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been That'll be probably the first time I've took much notice for aeroplanes. And then there was a couple of guys flew tiger moths around our, just around our place one day. When I was probably about 15 or 16. And during the war, I remember a flight of about five Oxfords flew around just above us. Yeah, we were, I was, my father was a factory manager. Yeah. And uh, I remember flying around there. Oh, well, I was in the ATC too, at school. Ask. Yep. And uh, I got a ride in the Tiger Moth. Right. And then I got another one by uh, wangling things. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's bloody keen. <laughs> so, uh, were you in the Cambridge uh, ATC flight? They had a no, only at school. Oh, okay. So, all oh, right. So, because we had army cadets and the ATC cadets at school. Okay. And we had a, we had a firing range and everything. You know, it was. I suppose we were getting prepared for war. Yeah. Right. I didn't realise that there was. Uh, the ATC cadets at the school as well because I know yeah. they had a their own flight that was a yeah, branch they, of the be later on. yeah it must have been yeah so do you, who who else was in your ATC uh, group do you remember <laughs> no <laughs> not many of us most of them were in the army cadets yeah the way I got the extra flight was getting one of my mates who was an army cadet to join the ATC and that Gave me an extra flight. That's how I did it. Oh right, okay. Yeah. I caught him in the joining. Yeah. Brilliant. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. So that would have been your first flight in, in that yeah. Tiger Moth. Yeah. And you were hooked. Yep. Well, I built model airplanes all my life too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so you would have turned eighteen about nineteen forty-seven, I guess. Is that? Yeah. And, and is that about the time that you? Could get into the Air Force then? Or? No, I was lucky I failed um, UE oh. first time. Okay. Had to go back for another year. So I was actually yeah, 18. I didn't start school, I was six because of the war. Yep. I started at five, got sent home again, much of my mother's disgust, I suppose. Yeah. Then they changed the beginning age to six. So I had to wait till I was six. Oh, right. And uh, so I was a bit later, you know, behind in the ages these days. So I was 18 when I finished school. Okay, yep. 
And luckily, because I missed that that UE the first time, there was an advert in the Herald wanting um, uh, aircrew um, applicants yep. in the Air Force for post-war Air Force. Yep. And um, I was lucky I got on a second course, second aircrew course. Oh, right. So you were on the same course with Tony Williams? He was number one course, actually. He was number one course. He okay. was navigator then. Yeah. He was a mad, wanted to be a pilot. But his legs were too short. And initially, you had to sit down and see how long your legs were because of the pedals, I suppose, on some of the aircraft. Yeah. And I think that's how he missed the first time. Okay. He became a navigator. <clears throat> but I remember flying a mosquito back from the Chatham's with Tony once, and we swapped seats and let him fly. <laughs> when he got the, once he got the course worked out... He crawled down on, lay on the, got on the floor on his hands and knees. I slipped down into his seat and holding the stick, we didn't have um, um, autopilot, holding the stick with one hand like this in his seat. And he got up in the pilot seat, which is a bit above, and flew it till we came near the mainland and had to do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> but he'd done it before with his other pilot, with his main pilot mate. Oh, right, okay. You mentioned you were on a flight to the Chathams. Was that just as a turning point, or did you land there? When there was no air filled out, they used to have Catalinas go out there and land on the lake. But no, we just did it for navigation exercises. Right, yep. It's a bloody long way, really, over the sea, isn't it? Yeah, it is. People want to have, always want bloody sea views. These bloody places have been built all around me lately. Yep. Got to have a sea view. Well, you can't even see the bloody sea. I've been up at the top of that place, and you can't even see the sea anyhow. Right. Or any glimpse of it. I love flying over the sea things. In all my life, um, agriculture flying, I was usually flying along the coast one way or the other. Yep, yep. Right. To get anywhere. Okay, so um, tell me about joining the Air Force. Uh, was it... Uh, you said that you had... Um, Applied through the the, the Herald, you saw the thing in the Herald. You applied. Um, About two thousand people apparently applied. Wow! And only very few got accepted. We had to do a whole lot of tests in Hamilton, go to doctors and God knows what. So I guess and look at do some bloody funny thing. I suppose a distance bloody vision or something. I don't know, but all sorts of funny tests. Yeah, I, I guess it would have been all. Um, They'd been kids the same age as you who'd grown up through the war and all wanted to become fighter pilots. Some of them did, come back. All right. And they'd be pulling out courses, yeah, but they might have done 12 hours of BASIC or somebody thing. And yep. Some had ribbons, they'd been in the Air Force before. Oh, right. Okay. And, uh, but, but there are only about... Oh, God, how many? Probably about 20 on each course. That was included navigators and pilots. Mm. I've got some photos to probably show you. Yeah. Uh, these are some of the early... Some of us on the way down there, oh, guys yeah. I've never met before. I, yeah. I was actually the youngest on our course. You know, have a look there. Yeah, sure. Some of those. Waiting to get injected, I think, by the look of it. All the big guys used to flake out. It was a funny thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my family. Some of the family. That's our, that's our first pilot's course, I think. Yeah. Okay. 
and this guy joined us because he fell off his motorbike. And he was a number one course, fell off his motorbike, concussion, put back onto our course. So they put later and added on. Right. Well, that was a, this guy was in the Air Force, but he in the same course, I think, yeah. But he got put out. So you um, you would have started on the Tiger Moth? 55 hours on Tigers and changed on the Harbors. And I held the record, Air Force record, for going solo on Harbors. Really? I think it was 2 hours 40 or something. Wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so w where did you do the Tiger Moth training? Well, Wigram. Wigram, okay. All our, all our wings training was at Wigram. Okay, right. So you went right through your whole training at the one base? And then after we finished our, we got our wings, we got posted to Hark here and did a multi-engine course on Oxfords. Right. And then we got sent back to Wigram to do an instrument course on Oxfords. Okay. And then we, then they have to posted to a squadron or somewhere, or be an instructor or whatever. Yep. These are great photos. These barracks were actually used in the First World War. Right. And, and I've got a photograph of some First World Wars guys Standing around that veranda, just almost in the same attitude as that. <laughs> oh, I meant to send them to yeah. Wings Magazine or something. But yeah, well, actually, I never got around to it. Wigram would be interested in that because they've still got those barracks. They're still there. Preserved. They're still there. Yeah, they've, they've preserved them. Oh. Yeah. So you were living in those. Yeah. They apparently were very drafty, weren't they? Oh, put it in notice in those days okay. when you were younger. <laughs> yeah, because some people made homemade bloody. Um, Homemade heaters and things. Oh, yeah. Who did that one? Oh, I've got to put my glasses on. Doc Croak? Oh, he was a doctor. They wanted the doctor with what had done a got his wings. Yep. They didn't, well, most guys went so even the guys with 200 hours on Tiger Moth before they went in the Air Force had to do about eight and a half hours, which I did, yep. before they went solo. He got to think 30 hours before some instructor was brave enough to send them solo and, and that's what I think he's had a cousin with one of our guys taking off on the harbour. We had two strips side by side, one for landing on and one for taking off. And I think he, our guy was taking off, that's right, and he was landing and he swung into the path of the harbour. Oh, and the, our harbour guy got away with it. He, he just, well, he ended up way down the end of the field, but he got away with it. Wow. And he got away with it, didn't get hurt, killed. Yep. And but they they gave him his bloody wings, <laughs> just to get rid of him, I think. Really? And he hadn't done anything really. Wow. Except that. <laughs> <laughs> right oh, on no, the aircraft. That's me. Oh yeah. No, a night flying. I was a, I was dual though, so it wasn't my fault. I wouldn't think. Well, tell me what. That's happened. the back yeah. half they put on made the instructional airframe oh, yes, out yeah. that I was telling <laughs> about. Yep. What actually happened? Well, on the briefing, I didn't realise that there's a bloody great line of um. Mark Rakapa trees just short of the of the runway they'd laid out on the because in those days Wigan didn't have runways, just had it was a big field. Yep. And we hardly ever used that bloody direction. Yep. And I didn't know that that's see the bloody outline of it yep. going through those yep. microcarpas. Yeah. And after that we went through a gorse hedge and a ditch. We ended up in a ditch, I think. God. And the, I got in the, I got out of the front and the bloody instructor was out to it in the back seat. Now I'm slapping this, he's about six foot six, this guy. And I'm slapping him across the face, sir, sir, wake up, it's going to catch fire, because his bloody fuel was yeah. piddling out of the tanks. Yeah. 
<laughs> wow. What can you see the number? What was the number on it? Oh, it'll be in my logbook probably. It's it might 10... be. It might have been eighty four. Yeah, it looks like it might be ten eighty four. This is seventy years ago, so my memory's yeah. not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Even made the paper. Yeah. Oh, it was the first accident after war, I think, that took oh, the okay. paper. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's some other guys somewhere on the piss and going to Timber or somewhere. This is Birthing's Flat where we did our armament work. Oh, out yes. By Lake Ellesmere. Yep, yep. That's great. Great photos. Doing a marking a drug there. Oh, yeah. And all the guys always got the plane bullets, got the highest score. Because they, they used to dip the bloody nose of the bullets in the different coloured paints. Yep. But some of it didn't mark. So the guys with the plane bullets always got the highest score. <laughs> 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 and they were usually the instructors on those. <laughs> well, that's down at Birdings Flat. So, so from your training, um, where did you go from there? Did you have to go to 14 Squadron? No, I got posted straight from um, from the instrument course on the Mosquitoes. Oh, straight on? Uh, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. As I hack here. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Highly notorious for swinging on takeoff. Funny thing, one of the photographs here turned up. Might be that one. Well, that's 84 there, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah. So it couldn't have been 84 if I crashed. Oh, it might have been night flying, could have been later on, yeah. Oh, I'm not sure the dates are so these. Yeah, that photo there turned up from Warbirds in Auckland a little while ago, and a lady in, belongs to Warbirds in Auckland comes down here, got a boyfriend here or something. Yep. And she gave it to me. And oh, right. I said, oh, I've got that photograph of my own. I think that's our final lot that got through. And I'll be, on, be on the instrument. On the, um, yeah, that'll be the twin-engine training, yep. multi-engine training course. Oh, right. So when you went to Ahakia, that was 14 squadron. Yeah, course, then, so, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Yep. Then you went back and finished off your training. and then Went back to an instrument course at Wigram. Yes, yep. Oh, they stuck us out in the buddy bush for a few weeks. Jeez, that's a good photo. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately got John charge for that. Really? Too low? A, a surveyor was doing some surveying down the beach. He took that photograph. He didn't know what to do with it. So he gave, he saw a guy in an Air Force unit from Wellington, where he came from, and he gave it to him. And this, of course, guy was, the bloody guy was a director of bloody operation or something in Wellington by accident. Oh. <laughs> Probably in civvies. <laughs> Yeah. In those days, a lot of them were civvies. There were that many of them up in that bloody bullshit castle down there. Yep. And um, this guy checked out the house, got the time and the date, checked out the bloody um, the operation book of the Harker, yeah. and old Jones Pritchard got in the shit for oh, it. Oh, man. Cool bugger, got killed later on. Oh, did he? We had to walk back from there. That was out in the bloody um, Southern Alps, foothills. Okay. And we had to walk back to Wigram, 65 miles, I think it was. 
and it's supposed to be escape on the version, but how do you escape on the Canterbury Plains? It's impossible <laughs> yeah. when they have the army and everything out looking for you. Yeah. Then another one of those in Cyprus at night, 65 mile too, but we didn't get caught, me oh, and right. my mate. Okay. Two of us got in. About one of the few times in good books with a boss. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, that's my effort. Ah. After flying the jewels, which only had 1,200, I think, or 1,300 horsepower motors, so these are 1,600 Merlins in the FP6s. Yep. And twice as much bloody torque, of course. Yes. Because both props went the same way. Right. And they're notorious for swinging. Well, I swung off the runway, and I, I got it back on the runway, as you can see. <laughs> yeah. And then the undercarriage decided to give up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can see it coming out the side there. Well, I could see flames coming out of this port engine where I was sitting next to. There was a little hatch down the side where you got in and out. There's a big, big handle to pull. And I was always dying to pull that handle, which I did. <laughs> and dived out. I didn't have far to go. Instead of a bloody ladder, I just dived straight onto the concrete. Yeah. It's interesting you didn't even bend that prop. That one? Yeah, I mean, you look at this. This one's bent. Well, I think I had that one on full bore and this one on idling. Oh, right. Trying to get back. Yep, yep. Oh, that was a bit hairy, that. I pulled out a rocket dive. I think it was a practice dive. And the, the undercarriage doors hadn't locked. Oh. They were just hung up on the bungee cords, and they opened. and let the air in come, come in pretty fast down the bend of a rocket dive. And when I pulled some G on, it opened the doors. Pulled the whole side out of the nacelle, but it flew up and hit and jammed into the aileron and flicked straight on the back at about 100 feet, I suppose. On their back, as I pulled out, flicked over my back. I, right, I went right round and I held it, and my mate down here with me, he used to call out the heights on the way down, he went up with his, he was a big strong bugger like you, and he helped me hold the bloody stick firm. Wow. And and then uh, then after that the um, it, it broke off after a while. And I didn't know what had happened, of course. No. But the guy on one of the safety officers on the ground said, "Oh, he's fallen off your bloody aeroplane." And we didn't know what piece it was because <laughs> being on the other side of the of the nacelle from yeah. where we were sitting, um, we flew past the tower and they saw the undercarriage down and everything and the hole in the side of your nacelle. These photos are fantastic. Oh, this, oh, that's what we have to, have to do interceptions on ships for practice. Oh, we'd, yeah. We'd have to, or the navigators had to work out because the ships used to attend in reports every eight hours or whatever it was, three times a day or something, and they'd work out the distance between their reports and the position they gave, work out where they were and um, or try to work out where they were and where they were heading for. And we were sent out to <coughs> intercept them for practice. Yep. And the best part of it was we had to make sure we got them, which one we were going for, but flying past and taking a photograph of their of their um, name. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. So you did a bit of low flying to get some yeah. of them. <laughs> <laughs> See how rough the seas were out yeah, there, too. Yeah, yeah. They're quite hard to pick up when the seas are rough like that. Because they're usually white on top. Oh, we're on the bloody wolf strike. Five bloody months on Wellington Wharf. 
shoveling coal and God knows what. Wow. So they just... little navigator. Oh yeah. Johnny, he got killed too, poor bugger. So, so did they just use you as as labour? Mm-hmm. Did they use you as labour? Uh, yeah. Amazing. Did you guys resent having to do that? Shilling a day, <laughs> extra, which made us about probably twenty-one shillings a day. Did you keep flying though? Did you get any flying in so you were current? No. No flying No, but they're going to do some duel when we got back. Wow. Oh, we're on mosquitoes at the time. So if, so, so if anything had kicked off four months into that, mm-hmm. you, and you were needed for defence, oh. you would have all been fairly rusty. <laughs> oh, no, an hour, just to do an hour's yeah, duel. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Brilliant photos. Yeah, Tony was with me when this happened. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. He was in the back seat. And he and his... I think he had a girlfriend in the back seat. And they came forward when we got hit with this thing. Yep. Um, and ripped my seat off the floor. And I went up and smashed the, the, the top of the steering wheel with my top lip and cut my head open on the mirror. And... Got sewed up in the side and just messed with the other anaesthetic because I was a bit pissed. <laughs> I got a bit more pissed when I got back to the mess. <laughs> got sewed up sitting at the bar. Got my head scuttled up sitting at the bar drinking. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that was on the Bull's Bridge? Yeah. Oh, this is... Kaitaia with a camp up at Kaitaia. Oh, yes. Operation Hardtack. My wife always laughed about that. Because she was a wife too. And she was sending Bristol freighters up with food and stuff for us. And every, but that was part of the exercise for them yep. to supply us up there and everything. Yeah. It's only a gravel strip in those days. So what was it like flying a mozzie off gravel? Dusty. <laughs> You can probably see some might be a photograph of that somewhere. So you would have you would have wanted to be the first guy to take off then? No. There's Oh yeah, there. wow. Actually that's where I, was, I spun a mosquito which is supposed to be impossible to get out of. Oh. Because the engines fall out. <laughs> yes, I found that when I was in Cyprus. I was a squadron safety officer and I got used to get all the stuff from Boscombe down and of RAF testing places. Yep. And there was a they were investigating a crash of mosquito. And because of the gone and it still had the engine with it, they said that we must went into the spiral dive, not a spin. Because if we had a spin the engine would have come out. But I could bloody well expect because it was just one continuous bloody flick with everything flying around around the cockpit and Oh God. I just I was just purely lucky that I did something wrong and I got out of that. Because what the, I, I'm in a spin, bit of a panic. Oh, it's a twin-engine aircraft. Open the inside engine, full bore, and close the other one. I did it the wrong way around. Open the outside one and close the inside one. And suddenly realised I'd done it wrong, so I slammed the throttle back on the one that I had full bore. 
and open the other throttle. And in the meantime, the prop on the left-hand side, which I opened the full bones, now pulled hard back, and it went, it, it went into um, runaway, runaway, and flat pitch, and it suddenly came out. And that's what saved me. Otherwise, I had to be, go out the door for a parachute or something. Wow. I would have, I would have died. Either that or, or if I hadn't got out the door, I'd have died. How did you get into the spinner in the first place? Top of a loop, but slow. Yeah, something on you. So, so you used to do um, aerobatics? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, you could do aerobatics on one engine, actually. Wow. One, one prop feathered. Okay. And that was all part of the um, uh, usual training routine? Yeah, yeah, aerobatics, yeah. Yeah, mosquitoes. We, we, used to, we had a dog fight once at the Harky with Mustangs, Territorial Air Force. And we could handle, ha um, handle their own, with, hold their own with mustangs and mosquito. Yeah. Unless they pushed their nose hard forward and we tried to do that. If you, if you didn't pull over like that, if you tried to pull them out, both our motors would cut. Wow. Then they closed our bloody squadron down. Failed final do. Wow. That's the squadron there. There's the squadron leader. He was earning out till he'd been a prisoner of war during the one. The Japanese prisoner of war. Hated the Japs. Wouldn't have a Japanese car, of course. Um, well, I got that relation in Australia the same. Oh, yeah. It's 14 squadron on the vampires. Okay. That's the guys that, that'll be the guys that went to Cyprus. Except him, he got killed. He was an ex mosquito pilot. He got killed practicing for an air show. It wasn't his fault. I found out in Cyprus one of the things I found out being a safety officer there. Mm -hmm. Some vampires, if you had them upside down, you couldn't raise the nose because of the rig rot, not quite right. And he was doing a show uh, flying across the field about 20 feet upside down. And he crashed out in the sand hills. Oh. And I was, I was in the, the um, formation aerobatic team with the boss you know, and one of the flight commanders and uh, we flew over the smoking wreck and we, well I couldn't look down because we were in formation, you know, I could see the smoke coming up. Yeah. We didn't know who it was or what it was. Everyone thought it was me at one stage. For some, my wife was in the canteen to get something or other and she heard it was me that had gone in so it wasn't very nice. Blimey. So. When they closed down uh, 75 Squadron, did yeah. you go directly to... Four of us went straight over the next hangar here. Okay. And the other three all got killed. Wow. He was one of them. Uh, McGregor? Well, he's not... Oh, he'd be in this photograph. He was a really new guy. He got... That's him there. He okay. got. He got killed night flying on vampires just before we went overseas. Now I met his son who never knew his father. He just got, a lot of us got married before we knew it because we knew we were going overseas. Yeah. And um, he was one of them. And he must have, well, like I did too, impregnated his wife before we went. And it's, I met his son in the RSA down here well, a few years ago. And he never knew, never knew his father. And the poor guy was the guy, but his son was actually in a wheelchair. I don't know what somebody had wrong with him. He was in a wheelchair, nice. But he never knew his, he knew I'd known him, so he came to see me. Okay. Wow. 
So what did you think of the change, the transition from the mosquito to the vampire going on to jets? Well, they're a kitty car after mosquito. Really? Fly. <laughs> but um, didn't like the boss because he was an ex-army guy. Oh. Our other 75 squadron the mosquito guy is a marvellous bloody squadron leader. Yep. Uh, he, he, he looked after his crew. The other guy tried to get you in the shit all the time. We had squadron warrant officer and the boss were both ex-army. And they're both assholes, I tell you. That's what I thought of them, even though it was his buddy number three, yeah. and I was picked to do all the, aerobics, the formation aerobatics with him. <laughs> but when my sick wife got sick, and I applied to come home on compassionate leave, he sent a bloody cable game saying I applied for extra years in the Air Force, because he wanted me to bloody stay for some reason. Okay. Well, a couple of mates said because I was too bloody good or something. <laughs> So, so your boss on 75 was Ernie, Ernie Gartrell. Gartrell, yeah. And he, he was a good bloke. Yeah, hell of a good bloke to be under. Had you done uh, air show displays in the mosquitoes? Mm -hmm. Did you do air show, air show displays in the mosquitoes? Yeah, yeah. I can remember once we did one in the hack here and they had the army guys there with anti-aircraft guns. Now firing blanks at us, we came down like that on And you could feel the body, um, even though they are blanks, you could feel the body shaking the plane from their blanks. Just the shock wave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we sank a ship in uh, Cook Strait with rockets. Oh, the, yeah. Navy, the Navy tried to sink one at one stage. Um, they couldn't sink it, so they sent the mosquitoes down there. That was just before my time on mosquitoes. Yep. And they dropped it, so that, no trouble. And then when I was there, we did one too. You know, they didn't even ask the Navy the second time. <laughs> <laughs> so which ship is the one that you... you oh, I was an old trawler or some bloody thing. Okay. That's a... I think it was a publicity photograph just before we left overseas. Oh, right. This guy was the flight commander, but he grounded himself. He wouldn't fly because he had tried formation aerobatics with uh, our boss and Checkett. Remember Wing Commander Checkett? Yep. Well, they had a bit of a mix-up at the top of a loop. I saw it, actually. And he, he got such a fright, he, he wouldn't fly again. Oh, right. But he still said our flight commander, which is strange. That is strange. Yeah. But he was actually the guy that went over the RF to do a course on vampires before we got them. It's right. one, of, one of the two. Right. So what was his name? Johnny Wu. Johnny Wu. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about um, when you were posted to Cyprus, were you excited about that? Looking forward yeah, to it? Yeah, I suppose I was just fairly newly married, but uh, yeah. yeah, or because of what happened. There's a rumour went round that the wives would be going over. So a lot of us Russians got married fairly quickly. <laughs> but that never happened. Only the, I think some, eventually some of the uh, officers' wives went over, one or two of them. Oh, right. Oh, OK. Um, um, what was it like at Cyprus? I mean, was it... Uh, you, you weren't really in a war zone as such, were you? It was it's a cold war, that's all. Yeah. 
Um, but we did all our exercises were down in the, in the canal zone in Egypt, and going down there. The, I can show you my logbooks if you like. Yep. And these are places we stopped at on the way over. Some of the okay. places. Well, I've run the white anchor, obviously. This is uh, some of this. That one there is an Iraq, I think. Okay. That might be. Is that Colombo? Uh, yeah, Colombo, yeah. That's when it was in um, Sri Lanka, it was, what was it, Ceylon in those days? Yeah. Yeah, that's it there. there. I don't know if that one is. No, I'm not sure. Yeah, that might have been in Iraq. We had a, a big RAF base there, a huge place, like a town. Did you uh, fly over in a Hastings? Yeah, right? Hastings, yeah. yeah. That's what we lived in. Okay. We were in the middle one. Tommy and Tommy Thompson and I, that's our room there. Yep. So the barracks are stone? Yeah, stone, yeah. yeah. Sort of like Nissen huts. Yep. They weren't bad, quite comfortable. Okay. Room about as big as this, I suppose. Was the two of us, Tommy Thompson and I lived in that two sergeant, we were the only two sergeant pilots on the squadron at the time. And we okay. lived in there. And there's a couple of sergeants lived here, ground crew guys. They actually owned a, they actually had a piper cover their own at Palmerston North, these two guys there. Yep. And in the middle of the when there's three warrant officers on the far end. One of them a bloody bastard one. <laughs> God, he hated me, and I hated him. <laughs> was Cyprus a pretty hot place, temperature-wise? Well, we were, when we get there in October, there are photos I can show you. That's my mate Tommy, okay. the other sergeant. He's still alive. Comes down here, he's got a timeshare down the road. Oh, yeah. Uh, see, here's a, that's Christmas Day, I think. And we're sitting around, and that's midwinter over there, sort of thing, but we're sitting around there singing it. But, yeah. but there was snow on there. No, it wasn't down there, but it was just up, up hills a bit. Okay. Fact, so, did the. In fact, there's a photograph somewhere. Did, did the heat affect the flying at all? Well, we had special, we had Mark 9 vampires with um, air conditioning in them. Ah, right. Godfrey Air Conditioner. So really you wanted to get into the aircraft to cool down a bit? Well, we had, we're down in the desert they put a shade over your cockpit if you're sitting there waiting to take off on some exercise or something. Okay. Well, that's, we drank our Christmas beer a bit early. <laughs> There's a photograph here somewhere. Well, that's me going to, that's me flying a meteor down to um, Abbasware or, no, Devisware, I think. Okay. It's all in my logbook. What, what did you think of the meteor? Oh, very, very well, not as manoeuvrable as a vampire, yep. but a lot, of, a lot of power. Had you flown the one here before you went over there? No, it's only about two guys ever did, despite all the bullshit you heard. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the same trip, I think. That's the Suez Canal. 
That's what we're there for, it's guarding a Suez Canal. Yes. There's about eight squadrons. And they all came to Cyprus for their um, armament exercises, so we got to know a lot of the guys. Yeah. I knew even knew the guy that ended up um, chief of the Australian Air Force, got on the piss with him one night, because he'd bring his aeroplane and couldn't go home with the others, so. That's the difference. That's us three guys on the top of the Mount Trudos or something on the highest point in the mountains. And a couple of months later, that's us again around about the same place. Wow. Jeez. They had a camp up there, sort of a holiday camp with troops. Yep. I wouldn't have thought of Cyprus to be a place that snowed, so that's really interesting. Well, we were on the we were on the we were actually on the civil on the civilian airfield was only one yeah. there then. Oh no, there was an old airfield down the road we used to use for going to, uh, for going, um, using for taking off the drop tanks because yep. it was longer. And uh, we only used that for the well, the Hastings landed there too. Okay. But then they extended the. We got another runway which broke off my bloody aeroplane. My good fastest aeroplane on the squadron. Yeah. And um, you know, they've still got a base there now on a little peninsula called Akrotiri. Yes, yep. Still there. Okay. Right. Now, I know that a lot of the squadron's vampires had nicknames painted on the side. Yeah we, yeah, we got... Um, I never put names on mine. I couldn't think of any. I had oh, two okay. aircraft to look after. And uh, we had 14 vampires and ended up with 14 vampires and two, two meteors on our squadron. Okay. And the, the uh, Aussies were at Malta, and they called themselves a wing. They had eight aircraft. <laughs> and seven after my mate Clafford went off the end of the runway in his one. <laughs> wow, that's actually, yeah, I had read that they were a wing, and I thought, oh, I wonder yeah. how many aircraft they yeah, had. No. Seven. That's typical Aussies. <laughs> And they're bloody cheats too. I remember flying around over the range one day, way above the range, and watching them and listening to them on their frequency. Uh, um, and some of their bloody bombs were dropping miles from the target, and they say, oh, we'll give you 50 yards for that one, screw it, Bluey. And it was about 500 bloody yards away. <laughs> oh, that's some of our... That was on the weekly news. Oh, yes, yep. I think. One of me getting out of a vampire there somewhere. Oh, yeah, there you are. The same way. And we're in the Pix magazine. That's me there. Yes. We were in a, a Pix Aussie magazine that said, um, oh, what did it say here? Um, Fresh faced youngsters, New Zealand youngsters, fly alongside of Aussie veterans. <laughs> Some of them act like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that a Cessna? That was a Cessna, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a wing and a tailplane, which I yep. headed for a couple of tree stumps. I knew I couldn't get off. Okay. Overloaded wet, wet manure. You end up with petrol pouring all over me and my feet and bloody jam between the pedals. Mm. As soon as I realised what was happening, I went out straight, well, the windscreen had gone, so I went straight out the front and up a hill. Then the guys 
bloody cocky took me up and stood me in front of a fire to dry me out. And I suddenly realised, what was going on? <laughs> I've just escaped a bloody accident like that. Yeah. I'm going to get burned to death. Because <laughs> I was soaked in gas. Yeah, know. yeah. Oh, man. So how many years did you fly top dresses? 30. 30 years? Just want to backpack it up. Wow. And how many crashes did you have? Um, I've been written up a few times in the books and paper, magazines and things. Uh, about the one I jumped out of before it crashed. Really? It was the only, only Tiger Moth they never ever repaired. It was a complete bloody write-off. Wow. And I jumped out of the bloody thing before it went in. How, wh wh what happened though? Did you, you wouldn't have had a shoot, would yeah, you? Well, I was on a steep downhill strip. Yep. And the engine started to cut out, and there was nowhere to go. When I found the strip, you had to wind down the valley. Yep. It turned hard off the end of the runway. And um, just started going down, moving down the steep strip. But the engine started playing up. So I thought, well, this fucking thing's not going to fly with most of it. Um, yeah, um, playing up. Because I already knew what had happened before, yep. once before. And um, so I went over the side, and it just veered off the bloody strip into a bloody rock face like that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Lucky. There's even a cartoon of bloody paper someone sent me a little while ago. By <laughs> a guy from Alexandra. Oh, okay. That, that used to, I used to work with and, you know, top dress you can Yep. So yeah, did, did, did you have any... Um, scary incidents when you're in the Air Force? Or mm -hmm. Did you have any scary incidents when you're in the Air Force? I, I know you put that um, mosquito on its belly, but was there anything else that happened? Well, the, the worst one was a spin. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, well, that Harvard night flying. Yep. Uh, No, I don't think so. Oh, the worst one, one of the worst was on the new runway at Cyprus. They put in a, another longer runway in for us at right angles to the other one. And we went out to, to christen eight aircraft, four in the front and four behind. I'm in the... I'm there. Oh, I'm number... Yeah, back this way. There's the leader yep. and his mate over here. I'm sitting here out from here to that wall behind the other two, they, they go off, I count five, and I go off, yep. I let the brakes go. Um, the vampires in a five second move about ten yards of lucky, so I'm right up their bum. Then they had all this loose bloody gravel on this brand new runway, and it all flew up and, and I couldn't see, completely wiped out with dust and gravel. Couldn't see what I was doing, so I went on instruments. Because I couldn't stop, I knew this wall coming behind me. And I've between the two aeroplanes, I got the full blast on from both of them. And um, buggered my windscreen. I flew, took off and flew it. I did the whole bloody um, was whole um, exercise, 45 minutes, what it was. With the, couldn't see out the windscreen because it was all covered in tar and blasted, soft blasted. Landed and the buddy uh, undercarriage just went boom. Right down to the stops, 
because it sandblasted all the chromium off the leading edge of the oleos. All the wings were nearly blasted right through, sandblasted right through the leading edges. Well, the write-off, the aircraft was a complete write-off. The motor, instead of having a hand-hour clearance on the um, induction, you know, the impeller, had about 20, uh, about an inch or some bloody thing, fallen off. It still flew. Wow. <laughs> had all the gravel go right through it. God, it's amazing. Yeah. So I guess uh, what happened after that? Did they have to modify the runway or...? Oh, I don't know, just swept it. They just had forgotten to sweep it with a big oh, crushing right. machine, you know. Yep, yeah. yep. Wow. That could have been a complete disaster. Hell yes. Especially with the others coming behind you too. Yeah, well, oh. they were held up. They would have they, they seen what happened. They didn't have any damage under them. Yeah. My other mate on the other side, number, number two, he had a little bit of damage on one wingtip. But I had the full blast and went through both by the intakes and you know both wings and wow. Yeah, that wasn't much good. Yeah. And when I actually got airborne, I was right up against these guys. <laughs> Came out of this cloud of dust and shit as I lifted off, and uh, I'm right up against them almost. <laughs> wow. Just amazing. Uh, tell me about the. Um, I, I believe back in those days particularly, there used to be a lot of, um, on, on 75 Squadron and on 14 Squadron there was a rivalry between the two squadrons and there was shenanigans went on. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh, a bit about, oh, we've pinched their flag or something. Yeah. Oh, and that's why, in this photograph, I don't know if you can see it. I don't know if you can see it. We all wore moustaches. <laughs> I haven't even seen mine, actually. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, something to have have them because they're all a bit younger than us, or something, I think, on the vampires, most of them. Yep. Okay. Uh, was there a really good spirit on the squadron with, with the mozzies and? Oh yeah, and and, and amongst the pilots on the on the. Um, on the um, vampire squadron, the pilot, well, the pilots got on, like club, you know, to the buddy. Although we had a shit of a boss, <laughs> he wasn't included in the club. Oh, okay. okay. No, the rest of us were all really good mates. Yeah. Really good. Although I was only a sergeant, I got on with all the, the other guys, all the pilot officers and flying officers and everything. They were all just. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that the boss? Of 14 Squadron changed during your tour over there? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, I think there were two, might have been a couple. Okay, yep. Changes after I left. I was only there for six months, as I say. Yeah. But they were there for two years. Oh, and yes. they shifted to Singapore. Yep. So. Uh, they flew Venoms in Singapore, I think. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did, yeah. yeah. Well, I was only there for five years, and supposed to be five years on the reserve, but I think I only went in three times. Okay. And only flew once. It all changed when I went back on the, I think the third year. It was all by the officers and snooty nosed little bastards. <laughs> oh, they just didn't even talk to me. Oh right. Yeah. Be because the uh, sergeant pilot they, had been phased out. Yeah. And they just ignored. But I had got my own back on them because the um, I was on the um, they had a one squadron. 
for the trainees, which I was on for a little while, a week or so. And the other squadron, well, just I was just part of the squadron, you know, doing the exercises. Yep. When I was told I was better than most of them by the flight commander. <laughs> and, uh, but then the other flight commander on one of those, which don't, I think was, I think was on the squadron part, public squadron. It was an old mate of mine. He'd been a navigator on our course when I first first when I first went in the air force. Yep. And he'd been to the um, thinking with the Canadian. Applied, applied to be a pilot here. He wouldn't didn't get accepted for some reason. Applied to the Aussie Air Force. Didn't get accepted. Applied to the Canadian Air Force. Got accepted. Came back here and was a flight commander on the squadron here. And he said to me, I was sitting in this room and they said, oh, we're going down the range to do some skeet shooting rod. Do you want to come? I said, shit, yes. I'm, I'll have a go. I hadn't done it for five or six years probably by then. And we get down to the skeet room and all these young Tottenham's POs and not talking to me. They're all shooting and hitting about four out of 25 or whatever it was. And he says to me, do you want to have a go? I said, yeah, I'll have a go. And I got 21. And I hadn't fought it, but he shot it, done, done any of it for five years. <laughs> and all these guys were gawping at the sudden pilots shooting these bloody things down. <laughs> I felt good, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 21, I think, was probably the highest score they ever got. Wow. So, so when you left the Air Force, um, did you return to Cambridge at all? Or no, I was in Auckland. I got posted to the reserve and recruiting centre in Auckland. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Yep. It was just an office. It was good though, because I look up all everyone's records, including my own. And every other. And a guy from down here that I knew from Mosquito Squadron, Dave Coe, who came up and I was going to join the NAC actually. All right. And, um, well, try to. And he said, oh, I know you'll make twice as much money on come down here and do top dressing. We need some pilots. Yep. And so that's how I ended up here. Ah, oh, right, okay. And he was right about double the money while we're on Tiger Moths anyhow. But you know, when they formed the union, <laughs> we, ended up, we ended up on bugger all over under 100,000 or something. Wow. So with the um, top dressing Tiger Moths, what, what year did you start doing that? 53. 53. So that's pretty early on in the history of top dressing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And you know how many guys got killed in the 30 years I was top dressing on that job? You have a guess. I know it would have been quite a high number, but... And there were never more than about 120 or 30 of us at any time, one time. Yeah. Would it be around 50? No. Eh? Would it be around 50 of them? I've got a book there and I've counted every one of them up. In the 30 years I was in... 170 were killed. That's not mentioning I was hurt, burnt, or anything like that. That's the 170 were killed in that wow. 30 years. Wow. That is scary. If you don't believe me, I can show you the book. Oh, no, I believe you. Yeah. That's like um, like the helicopter deer recovery guys. Yep, Almost yep, all of them. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Yep, most of them didn't get killed because the helicopter just came down like that. Yeah. These with broken backs and things, but yeah. the helicopters usually, even though they end up all mangled, they usually self-destruct after they hit the ground, don't they? Yeah. 
Wow, this. Uh, at the time, were you quite aware of this, or? Oh yeah, we've got a lot of funerals. Yeah, I guess. Did you enjoy the, the low flying? And oh yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, after, I was telling you that time I went back flying, and the, the third, I think it was the third year after I left the Air Force, I've been flying around, all around the Bay of Plenty, with about no higher than the highest we ever went. Probably was a thousand feet rejoining the the airfield or something, yep. rejoining the circuit, flying around at about you know, 50 feet on the job or less, and never much above 500, well, uh, yeah, much higher than 500 feet else, elsewhere. And when I'm back in the Valley Vampires at 30,000 feet, I feel all scared looking way down there. <laughs> <laughs> First time I got used to it. <laughs> The great thing about the, when I first went on the vampire, they're only all single seaters, no, no duels in those days. That's why we had the meteors, because they were duels yeah. for instrument training, instrument practice. Yep. And um, so you had to do your cockpit drill blindfolded before you went solo yep. in the vampire. Okay. But the funny thing, when I went on a meteor over, got the vetted on the meteor over there by an RF guy over in Cyprus, I'd never even sat on a buddy meteor before. Never looked at the manual. I was sitting in the bloody crew room actually, doing nothing because my plane was US or whatever. Yeah. And Hope came in at our boss. He said, All right, he said, Have you ever done any time in the meteor yet? I said, No, sir. He said, Well, he said, Go over to the uh, target tower, towing outfit, and get the flight commander over there to check you out on the meteor. I said, I hadn't even sat in one yet, sir. And, and he said, oh, they'll tell you what to do. So I just get in. He just puts me in the front seat. Away we go. Do an hour and a half. He says, you can go solo now. <laughs> and then he said, oh, hang on a minute. We haven't done any single in the overshoots. So we had to do another half an hour. <laughs> well. But because I've been on mosquitoes, I mean, it was the same sort of thing. I had twin and yeah. multi yeah. single engine flying and all that sort of thing. And they gave, and he rang up, and the boss rang up and said, asked him how I got on. I got one, a very good report from this RAF guy. And so I once again, once in Foss's good books again, <laughs> for a while. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> well, what was the... He was very proud of his squad and all, hope the boss. Yeah. He wanted us to be the very best and... But he got offside a lot, especially with me. Well, he got pissed off at me in the first place because I wouldn't accept the commission. Ah. That's what made him. That's what made him angry at me the first time, first place. Yeah. And I said to him, "Well, you broke your word, sir." He said, "What do you mean by that?" I said, "You told me that my best friend, Sergeant Thompson, would be on the commissioning course. Well, he wasn't." And also, actually, my own reason was I just got married and had to pay for it myself, my wife being an orphan. And I didn't have any money to, to buy a uniform or anything like that in the bucket. I was going to go into debt. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to be a bloody... We had more fun than the sergeant's mess anyhow. Yeah. 
So that's how we became the two sergeant pilots on the squadron going over there. Okay. How did, um, what was the lifestyle like in Cyprus for you guys? Bloody marvellous. Duty free. Booze was almost giveaway. Wow. Oh God, did we have some bloody hoolies. Because <laughs> we used to work, at, we used to start work about half past six or seven or something in the mornings. If we knock off about half past one, and that was our day, mm -hmm. we go straight to the mess and drink two bottles of Golden Tree, which is about no just stupid as a chook. And um, then we'd have a meal and we'd go and have a bloody snooze. Then we'd wake up and we'd get a taxi to town. Just about, I was on half my pay because I'd leave half my wife, which is I was probably on about 11 shillings or 12 shillings a day, and I had enough to get boozed every night on that. Wow. Even going to town, what going to nightclubs and things like that and bars in town. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now we had a glorious time in Cyprus, but down in the canal zone, bloody could you imagine miserable in the desert. Yeah. Bloody awful. Where where did you operate from down there? What what airstrips um Abbasware was the main one we used to go to. Abbasware station. And Devaswar which was on the Great Bitter Lake. Okay. Did you go on the Operation Long Trek when they went all around Africa? No, that was just after, just after I came home. Yeah, right. Okay. Are you, are you um, sad you missed out on that? Well, I'm not glad. No, I would have liked it. Yeah, it would have been quite an adventure, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. I think they went to Malta too. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they did. So, um, with the other squadrons that were around, did you ever do any mock dog fighting with them? Oh yeah. Yeah, but how, how did the Kiwis do against the others? Oh, the RAF guys are very good. Mm. Very good pilots in RAF. Yeah. But we were we were as good, I think. We were actually recorded as the best squad in the Middle East at one stage. Okay. Oh, on our reunion, they read it all out. We had a 50 year reunion down at um, Fielding. Yep. Alright. It's good that the squadron's back now, eh? Pardon? It's good that the squadron is back now. 14 squadron. Is it? Reform. I don't know anything about the Air Force now, though. Oh, really? You, you, you know, I went to that reunion, the 75 Squadron reunion we had here. The only guys I knew on that, out there, were the three guys, three local guys, and David Phillips, who grew up here. Yep, yep. That's the only guys I knew there. Okay. Out of all that lot, so I never... They didn't, didn't know anyone. No. Oh, okay. Well, they're all a lot younger, they're Skyhawk guys, and they're sort of... Yeah, yeah. Of course, um, Dave Kohu just passed away, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a bit about a month ago, so. Yeah, same. I, I did get to interview him a couple of years ago, so that was good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you, you... You said that you gave up top dressing because of your back. Yeah. Uh, after 30 years. 
So what happened then? Did you just I was on ACC. I couldn't do anything. Oh, really? Okay. I couldn't even sit down and have my dinner. I had to stand up. I had that bloody table on the end. Then I made that thing, got that thing made there. So I could sit on a kneeling chair behind it. Oh, right, yeah. So I could eat and all read. Was oh, I was a bloody mess. I've been, I was in three hospitals and they couldn't, they weren't going to have a go at fixing it because every, every joint in my back was buggered. Sitting on the end of a seat, I, I had 65 different models of Fletcher, believe that or not. Wow. <laughs> when, I was doing, when we were doing, taken over by James Aviation. Yep. Cessnas were no trouble, they were, or even the Tigermore. They just had an ordinary seat, comfortable, ordinary comfortable. I was sitting on, I had a lot of, most of their planes I fetched off there were two seaters at the front. Now, a little narrow seat about one and a half times one, one of these cushions. Yep. And I'm sitting on the very end of one like that with nothing like this at the side of it. Yep. So I'm doing like that. I'm pulling G, 2 and 3 G all the time every yep. few minutes and rumping up and down on tips and things and bugging up the whole body back. So it was sort of a repetitive strain injury on it. Well, we, we used to moan, every company meeting would moan about the seats. And we never got anything done. Guys even designed seats. Yeah. And then one stage, the, the whole of the new ag wagons came out here for rural aviation. And they got taken to James Aviation's hangar to get modified. They threw all these perfectly designed, purposely designed seats for pilots from, in America. They ripped them all out and put in two ordinary buddy seats to carry a, uh, carry a loader driver. Because <laughs> then the Tiger Moss would put them in the hopper. We gave them a little windscreen to put in there in a seat, right. Right. steel seat to sit on. Yep. Wow. Yeah, and the Fletchers originally, they sat in the back. Most of them, he sat there the seat in the back for two or three people. Yep. So, so that back injury that you had was something that was common with all the pilots. We used to call Fletcher back. Really? Fletcher back, yeah. Okay. But my, mine was worse because I had these bloody, so many of these bloody seats. You know, stupid seats. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've got a, I've even got a, I found it the other day actually. Um, report on my back, um, the final x ray, but they put some bloody, took some fluid out of my spine and put some dye on it and took x rays. And the specialist said, look, every joint of your back is buggered. He said, oh, I could fix up one or two parts. He said, I could fuse some of it together. But he said, I only make the next part, part next to it worse. Wow. He said, I'm sorry, you just got to sort of grin and bear it. Okay. And he said, if I, if I slipped, he said, you could end up in a bloody wheelchair. So I said, well. Jeez. In fact, just a couple of months ago, I put the bloody thing out. I was cobbling around on bloody sticks for about two weeks. Okay. Oh, and you know what I did? I had a cup of tea sitting there and I just drank it and I went, went out to do something, came back to pick it up. And I bent down that far and my bloody back went oh. out and someone stuck a bloody dagger in my back. Wow. And it stayed there. God, I, could, I had to get two walking sticks to walk for two weeks. Wow. Something as simple as so just... So I've just got to think about it all the time. And the trouble is when I don't feel like now, that's when you forget. Yeah. We're just aching a bit of something you think of it all the time. Yeah. Wow. Of all the aircraft types that you flew over your career, which, which was your favourite? Well, there's the nicest to fly. Vampire, I suppose, I'd say. Yep. Because of 
I think it's everyone's favourite. The single seater, the dual weren't went this good. Okay. Um, Cessna's very nice. Cessna 180s. 180s. 180s, yeah. 170s and 180s On windy days, I used to do the, the paper run with a 182 down to Wakatani because the other guys couldn't land in the bloody rough paddock down there when it was windy. Yeah. And half a ton of papers on the bloody jammed all around you. And a 182. But they, they weren't as fast and they weren't as. Um, Mind you, our top dressers weren't very fast either because they had the hopper dra- hanging out the b- bottom of them. Yeah. But a real one, uh, 182, there's one good one, one. Forget, the, forget this registration now. It used to cruise 182 mile. 182, yeah, 182. Okay. It was a 180, yeah. yeah. Cruises 180 mile an hour. Well, most of them about 160. Okay. Yeah, different aeroplanes, you know. Oh, I had one Fletcher. DUG registration. It had exactly double the performance. It was a 400. Exactly double the performance of all the others. Wow. It would climb 2,000 feet a minute empty and 1,000 feet a minute with a ton in. And the others would only do 500 at the maximum. It was just twice as good. Wow. Yet they're all built on, they're supposed to be all built on the same jig. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I don't know why they didn't investigate what was so much better. Which one was that? And it would cruise, it would cruise just on 120 and all the others were 110 on the same power. But what was its um, Re- registration? DUG. Is it still around? No, I think they've burnt them all. Oh, really? All the ones that didn't go overseas. Yeah. All been converted into those other, those sort of passenger things. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Now, Derek Williams was telling me. Last time he was over there, he saw this big pile of bloody fletchers all piled up on the heck and they're being burnt. Yeah, I heard about that. You heard about it? Huh? Well, you're at Cambridge, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's me flying the Harvard we used to own. Right. Now. Yeah, just along the beach here. T- tell me about w- when did you get that? 1978. So straight out of service? No, they've been in the storage for a year. They've been in stored for a year or so. Okay, yep. We had to place... I lucky I still had a, an ex-squadron, um, 14 squadron mate in the Air Force at the time. And he was the OC flying at Wigram. Yep. Where they were. And I got in the jack-up. Some guys down there to, to get our ones we'd got serviceable in their spare time. We were sent, sent a lot of money down there. Well, we had to take money, that's right, folding money, and we went down there to pick them up. Yep. Yes, we had that one for 21 years, Wally Bell and I. Yep. Well, I actually had shares another one as well. And I, I was the only one who could fly them both. Oh, right, okay. So, and this was just crooked back to later on, too. Yep. Um, yeah. That was 21 years, we bought it for 6300 Dollars. You know what we sold it for? 21 years later, and we had 21 years of fun. Yeah. Cost us nothing because we used to charge for joyriding, and when I did all mainly all the work on it. Yeah. Well, he was actually the engineer, aircraft tradesman, not an engineer, licensed engineer, but a tradesman. Yeah. And I'm 
because I was flying it, I'd been make sure everything was right. <laughs> Made it for 21 years, never did a thing with it, never heard it, except a few hanger scratches. Um, sold it for 130,000. <laughs> the best buy I've ever made in my life. <laughs> That's nice. It's still here. Still out there. Yep. I think. Been sent out. Motors were sent to us to America in a $50,000 overhaul on the motor. And the guy's too scared to fly it. So the guys that owned it. He's right. only flown it twice, I think. Okay. Is it here? And that was a 1990. I think we sold that. Okay. Yeah, 1999. Right. Did, did, you, um, did you fly it at air shows at all? Yeah, a couple of times. Okay. Hamilton, took it to Hamilton a couple of times. Okay. Of course, air shows here and Podiki. <laughs> it was funny, the Podiki went down there once, beat the shit out of the place <laughs> when I got there. And <laughs> got out and Wally Bell with a mate was down there, he'd come down with a battery cart to start the thing and his Jag. And um, he introduced me to, to his friend that he did his apprenticeship with. And he was a CAA guy coming down to oversee the buddy, the air show, to make sure no one was playing up. <laughs> <laughs> and I see his, his son, the guy Vetti, Mark Vetti, he's a vet, he's on a, ad, some advertising thing on TV every night. Yep. He's actually a vet, like dogs and things. Yep. But he's yep. not on a dog, some other advertising. Well, his father was this guy that would, right. um, he joined CIA. He'd been in been in Air New Zealand before that. Yep. Yeah. I think he had a microlight. He crashed it in Lake Taupo. Oh wow! Don't know why. I don't know if it failed or what. Yeah. Well, would it be okay to have a look at your logbooks or logbook? Oh, I've got a lot, I'll just do the first two. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the, the Air Force one, yeah. As you can see, mosquitoes are fairly favourite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you know Reg, Reg Mason? No, I didn't know him, but I certainly know who oh. he was, yeah. He had the um, the studio in Hamilton, didn't he, I think? Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. And he came over here. Right. That's me and Dave Coe. Oh, right. Doing a strike on it. See, we've got bloody armor piercing rockets. Yes, yep. <laughs> Aeroplanes in all directions. Yeah, it's great. See some of Reg's work oh, up yes. there? Yeah, yeah. Look around there behind you. Good, he's marvelous artist. Yeah, he did every rivet, everything. He put everything in exactly. He was an engineer too. So yes, yes. Yep. Oh, so he was Air Force? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise yeah, that. He was an instructor at okay. uh, engineering at Blenheim, at the Woodburn. Right. It's got a nice photo of Nozick. Yeah. Well, it's exactly the same as ones we had, except we had a double seat, an extra seat back here. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Old books. I've seen these out before. I think I've got six of them. Oh, wow. Well. There's, there's more on the other ones. There's more on one line than there is in the whole bloody book. On some of these, <laughs> we have a look at my fridges. I've seen some of the aircraft I've flown.
Interesting one of the 14 squad in Oxford there. It's got something on the tail. Is it a crest or something? Good little gallery. You didn't fly oh, the spot fire no, there, no. did you? <laughs> no. I still, still looked in the cockpit. Yeah. Which did you prefer when you were training? Did you prefer the Tiger Moth or the Harvard to fly? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. And what do you think of the Oxford? Oh, they were okay. Yep. Yeah. They weren't very mad. They didn't have feathering pitch properly. They had wooden props. Yep. Were the ones that you were flying by then, and in, in the, um, yeah, the the late forties, were they getting a bit tired, or had they been saved during the war? Were they um, ones that had been in storage? Um. I wouldn't have known if there any to do it. I suppose not. We never had any breakdown or anything. Okay. It's like mosquitoes. We had, we had about... We probably had at least 50 mosquitoes never been used when they closed the squadron down. They're still stuck in storage. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that, eh? I actually flew the last mosquito to come out of storage and test for it. The last, no, 36 it was. The very last one? Yeah. Okay. Now, I actually also heard that you flew um, John Smith's one. Is that that one? That was the one. That was the last one. Okay, right. Yeah, that's a couple of guys came up from down there. They asked me about, about that one. Oh, right. About something, about the camera or something on the side of it. I said, oh, I can't remember anything about that. <laughs> so what was that What was that last flight? Was it just a local flight at a haki or were you taking it somewhere? No, I, I was saying I was, that was the last one that come out of storage right. to be put on the squadron. But it was oh, only right. yep. it was only a few months before we closed down, only a month I think, before we closed it down. Okay, yep, gotcha. And I was mainly the only one that flew it. Oh yeah. So who was your regular navigator? Because you would have had a crew. Uh, mainly McBean. Uh, McBean. Ian McBean. Okay. He's I don't know if he's still alive. Character. I noticed in your um, Tiger Moth flying there, it said, I assume the instructor, uh, Flight Lieutenant Gartrell, was that the same, was that Ernie? Yeah. So he was your instructor and then later your boss saw oh, I, had, I had that many, I think I had 17 instructors all told in the Air Force. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, I knew one. My mate at Taupo, Jimmy Shaw, he had one, one RAF guy, stuck <laughs> in the hole right through his wings course. I don't know if they were experimenting on me or not. What the hell, because I was younger, I don't know. I don't know what was going on, but I know I had a hell of a lot of instructors. Amazing. Most of them were different ideas. <laughs> were there any uh, quirks with the mosquito that you didn't like? Anything that you had to be aware of? Uh, well, a typical service. You know, any any service aircraft, especially an operational one, yeah. there's always something. There was, they've always got something. Yeah. I guess that swing on takeoff was one of them. Oh, eh? that was the main thing. And landing. Yep. I was with a, another pilot one day, because we used to do, when we were doing diving, we used to have two, one guy to read out the heights as we were going down. Yep. And um, you did it for each other. I was with one guy, and 
we did the swing on takeoff, we headed straight for the control tower. And one of my mates came back from uh, flying Catalinas and uh, he got checked out on the mosquitoes and he came into the sergeant's mess at night and said, oh, he said, flying mosquitoes are a piece of piss. Next day we got a photo of him sitting out in the bloody kunai grass on the other side of the runway. <laughs> it swung on, ta on landing. Did you see... Uh Many crashes or, or accidents? Did you witness much of that? I saw a meteor belly land on Cyprus one day. Oh! And, we had, and they had a duty wheel watcher down the end of the runway. A guy that sat there all day with a very pistol, sat there all day um, watching for any aircraft coming in without the gear down. Yeah. And how he got past him, I don't know, but it was a good, they came up from the middle from the um, canal zone. And then one day, the whole 208 squadron, I think it's the most famous squadron in the RAF, yep. they arrived on a really shitty day. And they had about 60, amongst the 12 of them, they had about 20, 25 overshoots or something. And two of them ran out of gas, one on the runway and one on the taxiway. <laughs> so that meteor that uh, barely landed wasn't one of yours? No, it was it wasn't, no, it wasn't. It was one of the guys from down from the zone. Okay. I, I'd never heard of that. Um, it was two hundred five group we belonged to over there? Yes. RAF two hundred five group. Yep. Well, I'd never heard of that before. Of the wheel watcher, the duty wheel watcher, that's an interesting one. <laughs> Did they have that here or was it just there? No, it was only over there, it was a pommy idea. Oh, okay. Well, they had the, um, what they call them, um, sort of a ground, like, they were soldiers, but they were in the Air Force. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. What the hell are they call um, them? Uh, like think. the RAF regiment guys. Right, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of those guys, and there'd be one of them. It's probably a job they made up to keep one of them busy. <laughs> oh, no, it was meant to... Meant to actually watch for guy, you know, forgetting to put their gear down. Yep. Or gear not coming down. <laughs> well, one of my mates were before we went over the Cyprus. We had to practice short landings yep. and the vampires because it was going to be a short runway. And um, one of my mates took his coming in on his. Well, one of them took out the fence by the road. And another one, he took his two main wheels out, short of the runway, but didn't even notice. Didn't even notice, just must have snapped them straight off. And he landed on his belly and the nose wheel. He's sitting there and he called the tower and said, I'm having trouble trying to... He's sitting on the flaps in the nose wheel. <laughs> he calls the tower and says, I'm tra having trouble moving this bloody aircraft off the runway. <laughs> squadron on the Oxfords when you were doing your training, had any of those guys been in the previous 14 squadron with the Corsairs or were they a whole different batch of people? No, it was just a different little setup. It was only, yeah. a, it was only had about half a dozen aircraft, if that many. Oh, okay. Well, just for a multi-conversion. Yeah. 
don't think I had the same instructors I started with there. Okay. Yeah. Well. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear mm -hmm. some history. That was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood.